Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And what is up? Welcome in GC Live Friday episode of the show. I don't know if y'all could feel that in the air this morning. I know <laughs> it's still August, it's still Columbia summer. Slight little bit of a mild, I'm not going to use the word chill. That would be a lie. Football was in the air this morning, man. It was partially because it was out. It was overcast. Yes. But it was, it was not blazing out no, there. It was humid, but not blazing hot. Felt like football South Carolina hitting the preseason camp practice field for the first time as the Gamecocks roll into a uh, preseason camp number three of the Shane Beamer era. And we were out there. We were live um, hanging out for seven sessions, which is uh, infinitely better than zero sessions, Chris. So we appreciate that. All players uh, available the day before. Shane Beamer speaking as well. So th- there's been quite a bit of movement, I would say, man, quite a, a bit of ground to cover. We did cover some of this if you were listening to the 107.5 show, but um, we plan to uh, probably re-hit some things from that and then maybe expand a little bit more. But, um, yeah, dude, practice one out of the way. We did get our depth chart drill for both offense and defense. For those who don't know, what we call the depth chart drill is essentially the offense running a few plays against air. And the defense doing um, – I actually had a friend of mine text me because I just called it the flow to the ball drill. Um, they have uh, made this much more efficient for us. They're like, reminder, the pursuit drill. So um, defensive pursuit drill was on tap, was on point today. And uh, so we are able to get a few little observations as far as that goes, put eyes on some freshmen, put eyes on some guys who've been injured, and so overall, man, I would say a fairly productive day one from a media information gathering standpoint. It was a productive day. I was uh, I was really hopeful, Wes, that we would get the depth chart drill. Um, I, I don't know, actually, the defense probably does call it something like the pursuit drill. Don't know what they call internally that offensive drill. For us, it is definitely the depth chart drill. Maybe Beamer throwing us a bone there. Letting us uh, letting us get a little glimpse, and it was interesting. I know we'll dive in 
probably west to some of what we saw with the ones, what we saw with some of the backup guys. Uh, but it was good to get a look at that. I think most of it was probably what we expected. Might have been a couple minor things in there that either weren't expected or we just maybe weren't quite sure of. Uh, generally, it was about what we expected. So it was, it was good to see that. We also got to put our eyes on some of the other newcomers, right? We've seen a bunch of the freshmen and, and transfer guys uh, in the spring, but there were some guys that we had not laid eyes on um, on an actual football field. Again, not full pads today, still going through the preseason acclimation period. It was helmets and shorts today is all it was, but we got to eyeball Nicholas Harbor. We got to eyeball you know, Vicari Swain um, and, and, you know, Braswell. DJ Braswell was another one. There, there's several guys that we got kind of our first look at. Didn't see a ton in terms of just depth, but we did see a depth chart, and we saw some other things today too. Yeah, and you also have to remember, I think a lot of times when, you know, we're all just doing our jobs, when we put out, hey, here's what the depth chart looked like today as far as how they lined up, you also you inevitably get, the, hey, why is this guy not in there? What's going on? What's happening? And, you know, even though – that early practice drill is there, there's no contact whatsoever. Generally, it seems like the guys that are going to be held out of uh, the 11 on 11 full team contact stuff later on in practice are also not included in those drills. So you have guys that are at different levels of being able to practice. So even, you know, even guys that haven't been on like an injury report will be, you know, but that's kind of how you know, all right, they're not doing quite as much in practice today. And a few guys did probably a little bit less than fans maybe would expect. And then a few guys I thought did more than maybe you would expect at this point. Uh, you know, Jordan Strong dressed out, did have the knee brace on, as you would expect. But, uh, you know, to kind of go ahead and dive into Strong and Mokaba, uh, you know, Strong – Seems to be pretty far along, man, when you consider was out there, was in a regular practice jersey, not you know, not a blue jersey, not anything else like that. Wasn't doing the sort of drills on the side with the training staff or, uh, you know, the strength staff. And was out there during the uh, pursuit drill as well, right back working with the ones. So I, I thought that was noteworthy. Mo Kaba, on the other hand, also dressed out, but not out there with that 11-on-11 uh, not 11 on 11, but that 11 person drill where you have the full team out there is what I'm trying to get at. And, um, you know, so that we knew they were going to be a little bit limited. I'd imagine if there was full contact and actually hitting, you know, maybe Strong isn't out there. That's just speculation on my point, but on my part. But point being, those guys are fairly far along. It wasn't one of those things where it's like, Oh, they're going to be limited, and then they're just standing over there watching, you know? Yeah, and that that was good to see because two uh, key guys for South Carolina this season, Wes, when they lost Strong and Cabo against Arkansas last year, we know that definitely had an effect, you know, on, on this defense. And that's an area where South Carolina is looking to take a step forward this year. Cabo was – I think you said it perfectly today, GC Takeover Hour 107.5. It's probably going to be their leading tackler, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I think people – forget because of that injury how much progress Kaba had had the type of preseason that he had where he was the you know that season's defensive player of the spring um he was he got a special teams award internally for the team so he was going to play a huge role not only at the will linebacker spot as a starter but also on special teams and so you ended up missing both of those things and of course Jordan Strong went down he was a starter at edge who is going to help them a lot in the pass rush game, play a lot of snaps on the edge. Two big losses, but you get them both back. If you can, the question has been, can you plug them in healthy? Can you plug them in effectively? And it looks like Wes right now, things are tracking very positively for that answer to be yes, that you're going to have probably as close to a full strength Jordan Strong and Mo Kaba as you could hope for. Um, now we'll see when they actually kick it off against North Carolina see how they move, see how they play. Are they as effective as they could be and have been in the past? Hopefully the answer is yes. Definitely some encouraging signs uh, out there on day one. Certainly, uh, before we move any farther, they're going to tell you about our buddy Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. 
ClintHammond.com is where you can learn more about Clint and what he and his team do over there at Movement Mortgage, 803-771-6933. Short version is if you want to buy a home, if you want to know what it looks like to buy a home, if you want to know how much of a home you can afford, any and all questions you may have, whether you are a first-time home buyer, whether you're a long-time investor, whatever it is, uh, Clint will take care of you. Again, ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. Clint, a huge Gamecock fan. I'm sure he's dialed in to um, what's going on with the depth chart and who's standing out and what that looks like as well. And Chris, I would say for the most part, day one sort of offered more clarity than anything as opposed to surprises. Like it was kind of like, all right, here's kind of what we thought. Okay, that's that's how it looks in reality. Or it was more like, okay, maybe this is a little bit of a question. When you, when you start getting into the second team, like who's working with the second group, um, it can get a little bit dicey, a little bit hard to predict, especially when you have guys who maybe aren't practicing uh, you know, or being limited. So, like, Juice Wells was out there fully dressed, fully practicing, but he was not in the 11-on-11 or the 11-person work um, there at the beginning either. Uh, you know, Buggy Huntley, like I said, Mo Caba, Stone Blanton was doing some training work on the side as opposed, uh, you know, to the pursuit drill as well. So then you start to – that means, in this case, you have Pup Howard, who we knew was working – basically with the twos all spring at the mic, now he's with the ones, you know, so then a, a guy moves up at that next level, your three is now with the twos. And so if you look at it on paper, you maybe don't quite get a look of what it's going to look like in a perfect world if everybody's healthy, but you do start to get some idea, A, where the coach's heads are at, B, I, I think you also get a look at, who really has done everything that's been asked of them because you're going to get rewarded on day one by the coaching staff if you uh, do everything that's asked out this summer. So I, I thought it was interesting. You had a number of, you know, walk-ons or former walk-ons with the second team at wide receiver. And, um, you know, with, with Juice Wells not out there for that 11-person against air work, again, he was out there practicing. But – was held out of that drill. You had Omega Blake, a guy that maybe has been a little bit of an afterthought for some people. You know, Nicholas Harbor's here. Uh, you know, Elijah Caldwell. You know, lots of talk about all those guys. But Omega Blake was the one who was out there with the ones alongside Leggett and AB with Juice being held out of that drill. Yeah, and that is an interesting one, Wes. I mean, I remember even – Last year, Omega Blake didn't really factor in um, to the equation, but there were some people around the program last year that kind of had this opinion of if Omega Blake could one day put it together athletically, he's a pretty intriguing guy. And I think that's still the case. Wes, he was a guy, I'll, I'll put myself out there, he was one of those classic guys that I wanted to turn into a DB out of high school. I'll go, I'll go on record. But he's stuck at wide receiver. I think he's stuck it out. And um, someone to watch there. You know, it, we know the top three guys on this team. And, and it's it's Leggett, it's Wells, it's A.B. and Marion Brown. But you need six guys or so. And so I think you start looking at who, who are the next guys in that rotation, guys that may play some special team snaps for you, guys that are going to play some snaps in games at times. And I think you start trying to narrow it that down in your head. I do agree with you that with everybody's thinking about Nick Carver and Shane Beamer's definitely say said it again yesterday, West at Media Day. Temper expectations. Let's calm down. I think there's always going to be an element where people are not calm about Nicholas Harbor. Understandable. Um, Elijah Caldwell, the buzz that he had from the summer going into preseason. Those, those are things to watch. But you've also got a guy like Omega Blake. Landon Sampson was out there working, you know, with the backup some. He's another one. And then Peyton Mangrum, a former walk-on who's a really good special teams player. I feel like he's also in that in that group of guys that kind of get lost in the shuffle. So the, the starters are pretty set. I don't think we're going to be reporting 
a whole heck of a lot on the starters unless it's, hey, this guy's really, really taking things to the next level. I think the bigger storyline at receiver is, you know, who's going to be in that next crop, that next group that they roll out there. So looks like there's going to be plenty of uh, competition on that front. I think you look at what Step said on Thursday too, uh, Justin Step, wide receivers coach. He feels pretty good about the depth he has at that position. Now, I I don't think even he, if he was sitting around, you know, having a still hands, being completely open, I don't know if he would even know exactly how it's going to play out behind the three because I, I think it's not one of those things where it's just coach speak of, oh, we got a lot of competition there. But – the coach already kind of knows. I think truly there's going to be quite a bit of uh, jockeying for position for that second line of guys. And then, you know, that that's really the, the second group. They they do play. They will rotate in. And it's kind of like, all right, you're, you're fighting for some playing time because once you start getting into that third group, unless there's injuries, it, it kind of is hard to get on the field. It's hard to play more than six, I feel like, it, even at wide receiver. So – There'll be a lot, you know, I think as the year goes on, you could even see that sort of shift as far as who's playing, who's doing what. But um, kind of intriguing that Omega Blake was out there with the ones. And, um, you know, he's – I look at it as he's really an outside guy. Like, he's an outside receiver. I look at Harbor as an outside receiver. You got several guys. I think you look at Eddie Lewis, maybe Elijah Caldwell. Those are more, hey, you can play inside, you can play outside. I asked Eddie Lewis um, yesterday, you know, hey, is it more more inside, more outside? And um, he was basically like, I, I don't know if I'll be inside or outside more. I'm playing both, all the above. I'll do whatever I can to get on the field. So I, I think he does give them a little bit of versatility as far as that is concerned. And I thought it was also interesting. Step was like, we basically got a bunch of older guys then there's maybe a couple of guys in the middle, maybe one or two guys in the middle, but then it's a bunch of just really young guys. You know, you look, I think there's, what, five true freshmen that are at wide receiver in that class and then some redshirt freshmen. So it, it is kind of kind of interesting the, the distance as far as experience and age and maturity between the guys who have played and the guys who just really have not played at all. Yeah, there is. I mean – um, Tyshawn Russell doesn't, you know, I don't know that he factors in a lot West this year. CJ Adams, I don't know that he, you know, factors in a lot. Kelton Henderson um, was actually on a crutch at media day and today he has a hamstring injury, but I think those are guys that probably need a little bit more time, right? Out of the guys from this fresh freshman class, it seems like Harbor's the one you watch the most. Elijah Caldwell's the one you watch the most and Caldwell may be the most advanced just in terms of, route running, knowing how to play receiver while Harbor has the immense upside in the physical tools. So, I, look, it is important for them to find uh, some guys, West that they can count on. Lewis will be in that mix as an older guy, as a grad transfer. Um, but there will also be, like you said, some young ones in the mix. And I think it's important for those guys to get into that mix, not only for this year, but you look at what you lose after you know you're not playing the 2024 season right now your your concern has to be the here and now but a bonus is certainly if you can get some of those guys integrated after you lose Leggett and AB and Juice Wells and Eddie Lewis next year now you've kind of got the next crop to where you feel a lot better uh, about those guys if you can get them integrated this year get their feet wet have them have them make some impactful plays for you this season yeah, I feel like you were setting up for an integrated media spot there um, here on the show with a couple of integrated mentions. But really uh, good. yeah, we'll, we'll save that for 1075, I guess. But Chris, um, offensive line was kind of one of those things where we were very intrigued to see exactly how they structured this thing. As we got closer and closer to today, we had a pretty good feel for what that was going to look like with the the first team or at least the day one first team this is on at that spot especially at tackle i kind of feel like guard and center with the first team some fairly set honestly with tackle i looked at it more like all right you got the first shot at it Let, let's see what you do with it and 
the more we've gathered, they're they're going to cross train guys at left tackle and right tackle. The, the two best guys are, are going to play, and you know I, I think if somebody were to go down, the next best guy, whether they're at left or right, would be the next guy up, basically, as opposed to saying, "Hey, this group's left tackles, this group right tackles." Um, so I think that's important to point out when trying to talk through how this could play out. The, the biggest sort of movement that we've learned of in the last couple of days is just uh, Sidney Fugar sliding over to right tackle. Maybe not a name many Gamecock fans have tracked incredibly closely, but taking first team reps with the with the first group at right tackle, Ja'Kai Moore, as we had anticipated, taking the first team reps at left tackle. So right now, day one, that's your group, left to right, Ja'Kai, Garjulo, Rashawn Lee, Trey Jones, and then Fugar at, at right tackle. We'll get into that second line here in a second because it gets very interesting then. But um, what, what do you what do you think of the top group? Kind, kind of what we expected. Pretty much what, you, what we expected, thanks to you, Wes, and your reporting on Fugar yesterday. I hit, Let me back up before – I, I want to go into tackle more. Let me go to right guard. Is there a scenario where Marky Anderson can unseat Trey Jones as a true freshman, or is it just more that Marky Anderson plays? I mean, you, ne- you never say never. Um, I I kind of feel like Trey Jones has, like, waited his time, like he's developed. I, I thought it was fitting – or I thought it was worth mentioning talking to Lonnie Teasley yesterday, and – he said Trey Jones is basically the small, smallest. Good grief! It's been a, it's been a day. Um, he is the strongest guy in their room, basically, and that they sort of look at him like this year's Javon Gwynn. Like he's taken over that role of like you're you're our muscle, you're the strongest guy in the room, and even down to the fact that. This is a guy that doesn't quite have the measurables as far as height yep. that you prototypically would look for. But Javon was a solid, very strong, just very good interior player for South Carolina throughout his career. So that's the challenge to Trey. You know, can you kind of step in and, and replace what he brought to that? That's a that's a big those are big shoes to fill, I think. But I got the impression, again, could be dead wrong, got the impression that, hey, Trey, it's your turn. It's your chance to go out there and be a starter because you've worked up to this point. Now, it is intriguing to me, if you really want to read way into it, why is Marquis at right guard all of a sudden instead of left guard after playing a ton of left guard in the spring? Is it that... Garjulo, we know Garjulo's starting. Beamer said as much on Thursday. He called him a dude, which is the best compliment you can ever give a football player. Yes. So we know Vershawn Lee is starting somewhere, I think. Is Marquis at right guard? Because that's the spot where they're like, it's we think we think it's Trey Jones, but maybe not. Or am I, are we reading too far into it? No, I, I tend to agree. I just wanted to get your take on it. I tend to agree it's probably Trey Jones. Um, I think there could be some scenarios where, like I tend to think if Markey is inserted as a starter, it's probably because they've had to move some other things around. you know. And, and I do think he's going to play. I think even if Trey Jones has a really good preseason and they feel good about him being the starter, we probably still see Marquis work in some in situations. You know, I mean, Beamer has been very steadfast that Marquis Anderson's going to play probably the strongest of any freshman on this roster. And I don't mean physically strong. I mean, he has gone the strongest, most consistently in the earliest on Marquis Anderson's going to play, although he's mentioned they're playing true freshmen at just about every spot on this football team, if not all of them. Um, so I, I tend to think Trey's probably got – not not a stone cold, you know, lock on a starting job, but probably better, you know, not as good as Garjulo and Lee being somewhere, 
but better than say right tackle. Like I, I think right tackle is probably Wes. If we're power ranking, I think left tackle, right tackle still have some openness. Right tackle probably the most open. You know, Lonnie Teasley said yesterday at media day on Thursday that every offensive lineman on South Carolina's roster is expected to play at least two positions. So, you know, for a lot of the guards, that's also center. Marky Anderson learned some center, you know, this summer. Trayvon Ball, another freshman, guard and center. Lee can obviously play center and guard. Same for Garjulo and some others. So when you look at a guy like Case and Henry, who we we also expect to be in the mix at tackle us, you know, he could be a left where he was last year as a true freshman. He could play some right. Sidney Fugar sent, spent most of the spring at left. Now he's moved over to right. Um, so there's there's some versatility there. There's there's some options. Fugar's the the number one right now, but could that end up being somebody else? I think it's possible as preseason goes on. Maybe same for left tackle too. That that'll be, you know, I'm curious to see what is the experimentation at left tackle, if any. There should be some. What we saw today, Ja'Kai Moore with the ones and actually with the twos, there were a couple different versions of the twos we saw. We saw Tree Babalade as a true freshman out there. I tend to think, Wes, if it's not Tree, here's a question. If it's not true, if it's not um, I said Tree, if it's not Ja'Kai in game one or at some point, who's your next guy up? Like, who are you putting out there at left tackle? I wouldn't think early in the year that it's Tree Babalade, even though he's out there with the twos. So offensive lines may be one of the more interesting ones on the team, just thinking about a lot of the different configurations. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, but I also think that I, I think when they say, hey, we're we're gonna get we're gonna look at these freshmen really hard on the offensive line. Um that that's not just lip service. Like I, I think Tree being out there with the twos at left tackle, I think Trovon Ball in in one of those iterations of the second team was out there at left guard with the second group. And, and then obviously we know about Marquis. I think it's gonna be, hey, throw these guys into the fire in practice. See how they respond. See who's ready. That that may be a different answer week one than it is like week six. You know, like I think you want to bring Tree along to the point that he um, maybe he's ready to step in at some point if he's needed. I I tend to think, especially with Fugar working at right tackle at this point. As long as let's just we're assuming in all these conversations that everybody uh, you know stays healthy. I I almost I, I don't know who on that roster could unseat Jakai Moore at this point. Yeah. You know, like I, I kind of think as weird as it is to say, knowing what knowing that you lost a guy at, at left tackle and Jalen Nichols was gonna be your guy. Um right tackle has almost quickly become the, the bigger question. Like if, if, if Ja'Kai were not able to go for some reason, I think you probably early in the year actually would probably be looking at moving Fugar back over to left tackle and then having Wanamaker and Case and Henry fighting it out at right tackle, which I think they're all going to be fighting it out over there anyway. Fu- Fugar, if he doesn't win right tackle, may just sort of be your your next man up mm-hmm. at, at both tackle spots. Just like I really think, man, there's probably a strong case that um, Marty Anderson is kind of your, your next guy up no matter who were to go down on the interior. You know, like that could be right guard. That could be somebody else slides over a position and then he goes in at right guard or he goes in at left. You know what I'm saying? Like you can move guys around to make it work. I just, I, I kind of think, right. You're looking for your first five, right? Then I think you're looking for, all right, who's my sixth in context of I lost the tackle. And then it's who's my sixth slash seventh in context of I lost an interior guy. And I think that's kind of how, 
the staff appears to be looking at it. And uh, I think if you're trying to, in your head as a fan, make sense of who's going where and who's going next, that's kind of how you have to uh, frame it up, I think. And, you know, I, I'll be curious to see, does a guy does a guy like John Darius Morgan, who we really haven't talked about a ton, but was in there getting some second-team reps too, now that he's been in the program for a little bit, does he sort of say, look, freshman, y'all are cool and all, but I, I got this. I, I'm not just giving my spot up that easily, you know? Yeah, and, and that happens sometimes, man. There's there's some guys that I think we not write off, but don't talk to talk about as much, don't really give as much of a chance, and then they end up emerging. That that happens at times. That that might have happened, Wes, already with you know, a Tyreek Johnson, for instance, on defense, who Beamer talked up a little bit on Thursday during his press conference, and that, you know, you get you get some freshmen on campus, you have some other guys, and you start thinking about, the, you know, dreaming of those players, but you still got some other guys over here. So Morgan's one of those. Even, like, Grayson Maines, Wes. I mean, last season, he hasn't been around that long. You know, and we're already kind of, okay, well, what about Trayvon Ball? The class that South Carolina brought in was obviously outstanding on the offensive line, but there are some other guys on this roster that also have a chance. And Grayson Maines, to, to kind of illustrate that point, they had a couple iterations of the of the twos uh, working, the backups working on the offensive line, and he was playing center, and he was out there with the twos on both of them. So, you know, th there are a lot of guys vying for spots here. I think we have a handle on some of them. And on others, not so much. And it's going to take, you know, heck, maybe a couple weeks, Wes. To, it might happen before that, but up to a couple weeks to sort those out and have a better idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I would even – I would say a couple weeks is probably even conservative, I think. Um, what's that face for, Chris? Hold on, Chris has deleted himself, I think. Um, <laughs> what's that face for? I said, uh, I think it was because I deleted myself. Like, I was I was gone on the video screen. Like, I was down at the bottom. I was out. I soloed you up. I don't know what happened at all. Well, you, ne you never can tell. We are, we are live, um, so yeah. you never know what's going to happen. But um, I, I, I was saying, I think – a couple of weeks, man, when you consider that you're not able to put pads on, you looked it up the other day. What is it? Day six? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you got to go basically first couple days. You're what we saw today where, where you're in short, you know, shorts and helmets. And then you, you know, you're adding on shoulder pads and yeah, on the six, on the sixth day, you're, you're, <laughs> you're allowed to have full pads. So it takes a while, you know? So that 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 leads me. I mean, you can only tell so much. Yeah. From a physical position like that, you know, when when the pads aren't on. So I, I think that that's an aspect to keep an eye on. Um, th this thing could easily. Now you maybe know. You hope you can kind of figure out who your five are and let those guys gel pretty quickly. But I I think that the guys behind the five, like next in line, that group, uh, you're you're kind of going to be constantly. Um, probably having those guys jockeying for position too, just like mm -hmm. we talked about with uh, you know with the wide receivers and and maybe with some freshmen, maybe maybe that goes well into the season, man. I mean, you could have a freshman that's not ready at all now. Light bulb comes on, and and then all of a sudden, you know, they are ready. So I think that'll be something to keep an eye on too. Uh, we're gonna talk a little more defense here in a second, but first. Uh, Shout out to our friends at Liberty Tax here in uh, with three convenient locations in the Midlands. We got uh, basically anywhere you are in the Midlands, uh, there's going to be one fairly close to you. You can give them a call, 803-462-5576. You're going to overcome your tax anxiety. And, uh, Chris, you, uh, you've you already overcome your tax anxiety for next tax season by getting a head start uh, by calling our friend Larry at Liberty Tax. Yeah, absolutely no tax anxiety on my part, Wes. Feeling good about things. I met with Larry in person. All right. We uh, 
We lost Chris, but uh, I believe he was about to tell everybody that he met with Larry in person and got his taxes figured out for next year. Obviously, um, if you want to get a head start on yours as well, uh, if you're maybe started a, a business, you've started a small business, or maybe you've just had a lot of life changes and you want to sort of um, go ahead and get a feel for what effect that might have on your taxes, um, our friends here in Columbia at Liberty Tax can help you out with that again. 803-462-5576. Um, we will just hang tight until Chris gets back in. But the other sort of, I don't know, takeaway, again, not necessarily a surprise, but just, uh, I thought, confirming some things we suspected or confirming some things we thought might happen was uh, in the secondary. And Torian Gray has always cross-trained his guys. He has always wanted his safeties to be able to play nickel and his nickels to be able to play safety. And, um, you know, I, I think at that position, we were very curious to see what the configuration or the first configuration would look like. And it, it kind of was confirmed to be exactly what we thought, at least for day one. Chris talking about safety and nickel and nickel and safety and, who's what and who's where and cross-training. But we, we kind of had put the pieces together. DQ Smith working with the safeties. And then uh, David Spalding, a guy who has actually played pretty well when he has been healthy, just has had really injuries throughout his career, man. Unfortunately, he told me Thursday that he's 90%, but is full go in practice. So he's – He's not limited, but he just personally feels like he's 90% and that um, he'll be 100% by game one. He wouldn't even tell me if he was a nickel or safety. He said, he said I'm both. But I was watching practice on Friday, and I very clearly saw him lining up at nickel. So That was, that was a figment of your imagination. Nope. So um, what, what do you think the chances are that we – Again, assuming health, what do you think the chances are we already know the starting five for game one in the defensive backfield and that we can slot them exactly where they're going to be? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. And so just to make sure we're on the same page, that would be Dial and Fortune at corner, Eamon Worry Smith at safety, and then Spalding at nickel, as I assume, where you're going to go with that. Look, I – I like actually the – not more per se, but I also like playing Spalding at safety where he was for the Kentucky game, made that huge play, first play, first offensive play of the game for Kentucky, made that huge play from a safety spot. And then DQ can obviously play nickel, but it makes sense to play Spalding at nickel as well. You remember year one, Beamer's first year at South Carolina, he platooned with Carlin's Platel at that nickel spot. So um, he can do either, but it could be that Torian Gray thinks that is the best combination. That's kind of maximizing the abilities by putting DQ at safety and, and putting Spalding at nickel. You know, Spalding's got Shane Beamer's pointed this out in the past. He brings some size to that defensive back uh, position that some of the other guys don't have, you know, he's got length, he's got some bulk to him and it could be that Torian Gray maybe wants that more at the nickel spot because of, you know, you're out there on the perimeter, you're thinking about run defense. Not that DQ can't do that, he can, but he's a little bit smaller than David Spalding when you're looking just at the size. Then DQ, a very, you know, cerebral player back there at safety, that can certainly help you on the back end too. So I think to, to go back to your actual question, Wes, I think it's very possible and probable that we can slot the starters right there, which then means, you know, now you're going to the other guy. Who's in the rotation? Who's that third corner? That's where you go next with those questions. So if if there's one guy that could disrupt the entire thing, um, I, I think that would be Jalen Kilgore. That's just a personal hunch. Um, I, I'm high on Kilgore. I think positionally where they have him at, like I, I'm obviously very high on uh, Bakari Swain as well, but I, I don't think it's 
remotely like likely that anybody beats out Fortune and Dial before game one at, at corner. So if there's anybody that could just disrupt the entire thing, I think that would be Kilgore just playing so well and being so ready that they say, this guy has to be on the field. Now, I would imagine it's still, I mean, even Worry and DQ, they're not coming off the field. So that would either mean playing Kilgore at nickel or sliding DQ back to nickel and Kilgore playing safety. Now, Kilgore told me, he said, I'm, I've learned free safety. I've learned strong safety, which actually, I don't know if I knew this, Chris. Those are not interchangeable in this defense. They're, they're two separate positions. You know, some defenses, they're fairly interchangeable. He said there are some differences. Yep. But now he's learning nickel, too. Um, now, he was not one of the guys Torian Gray even mentioned as a nickel, but it's an option for him. I think if if Kilgore were to come on strong and just sort of insert himself like, hey, I have to play, then you could slide DQ back to nickel. Kilgore could play safety alongside Nick E. And, and that could be a scenario. Um, you know, Keenan Nelson, he was working with the twos. From what I could tell um, today, he obviously started, played the whole bowl game at nickel. So, that you know, he's a guy who could push his way into the mix at that spot. I don't know if any of that is all that likely, but I'm just kind of trying to throw scenarios out there that could be possible. Yeah, and, and my question, Wes, is if, if Jalen Kilgore has such a good preseason – and even, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on the preseason for good reason. It's very, very important when you're, you know, assessing your players, whether they're starters or, or just depth guys. But also, sometimes maybe we lose sight of the fact that guys can actually make moves during the season, too. I mean, that can be taking advantage of opportunities in a game. Um, it can be what you show at practice during, during the week, even, game prep week. Or it can be a guy – performing very well on scout team to where it's okay. We need to give this guy a chance. Now I think um, you got to account for that with a guy like Jalen Kilgore. Cause we've seen even some really, really talented freshmen. Sometimes it's not game one that they have that, that immediate impact. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. So whether it's game one, whether it's game, you know, six, eight, I think we're going to hear from Jalen Kilgore this year. So the question for me is if he um, – I do expect that impact. So if if he has it, you know, when is it? And then, you know, what does it mean for the rest of the lineup? So if he comes in at safety, who is he spelling? You know, that that's the big question. And then, you know, for example, it could be Eamon Worry and Kilgore on the field, and now you're slotting DQ Smith down at nickel. You know, I, I mean, that's just one possibility. But I do think he's going to be – he's going to prove too good – to keep off the field, not really as a starter necessarily, although, I mean, maybe, maybe. But I think he's going to play some, whether it's on defense and special teams. And that leads to, you know, the other very interesting question that we like to ask, and what what does that mean for the rest of the spots? Because they are at nickel and safety for some certain guys, like Spalding, like Smith. You know, those those spots can be a little interchangeable. you got some flexibility there. Um. Yeah, just some some guys, man. You just have a good feeling about like everything seems to just add up to hey, this guy's gonna be a player at some point. Kilgore is one of those guys for me, man. Just physical tools are there. Um, everything seems to add up. Great kid, very detail oriented. They, uh, I can't remember what he's listed at on the roster. I think he's listed at two hundred four, but um. Wanted, they wanted him at 210 by the end of the summer. And on Thursday, he's at 210. Like, he, he's, like, right at what they wanted him to be at. So, um, I, I just think he's one of those guys that has has it together, even though he's a true freshman. And that, that goes a long way if you already have the baseline talent. Uh, Torian Gray really, really bragged on both those guys as far as just their ability, their skill. Um, Torian called a uh, Vakari Swain, a stud of an athlete, which, uh, coming from your coach, 
and um, you haven't even played a rep in practice yet, if your coach says you're a stud of an athlete, um, pretty good sign, man. So I, I just think both Vakari and Kilgore are, are hits for them. Um, but kind of switching over to that the cornerback spot and who can step up behind OD and, and Marcellus, I thought it was very interesting. Beamer pretty much just said, look, those are those are our starters. We're very curious to see what happens behind them. And you got a long list of guys there, man. Emery Floyd, we kind of knew was there. Isaiah Norris, we anticipated Vakari Swain. But there's some other guys. Uh, Judge Collier, who could have played multiple positions. He's playing corner at this point. Zabari Sandy, he's playing corner at this point. So – you have some guys kind of working in at, at corner that are going to potentially be fighting it out to uh, to be the next man up. Yeah, Swain's someone that I could see making that rise, whether, Wes, it's throughout preseason camp, like I said, or sometime during the season. That, that third corner spot is pretty important. Um, you know, I've, I've pointed to Marcellus Dial several times. He played a lot of snaps last year as that kind of third corner. And especially you look at, for example, the Clemson game, you still had Smith, you still had Rush in that game, but Dial played a key, key role in pass coverage. And now he and OD Fortune are both taking steps forward and, you know, need to be quality starters. I think they've got the capability to be quality starters, but but who's behind them? Um, heck, may, Swain has the type of ability, Wes, where it wouldn't even be a shock if he could ultimately unseat somebody. But to stay – a little bit more conservative, I think it's more likely he could step up to become that third corner. There, there are no questions whatsoever on the athletic ability, the tools. You know, th there are some guys that you get in a program and you hear, okay, they're probably going to play corner, and you go, okay, are, are the physical traits that you need there to do that? Even, even for good athletes, it takes something special, and he has all those things. I mean, if he was a receiver right now, We'd be sitting here having the conversation. How much can he get on the field as a freshman? Because we expect that he's going to. Um, he's that kind of athlete. So I, I'm always been intrigued by Floyd. I liked what I saw from him at times in the spring, the spring game. He can really run. He's a track guy. He's got some size. But I'm, I'm very, very interested to see Swain as well. Gray definitely had some high praise for him, which – I think was pretty telling because uh, Gray, Gray praises his guys, but sometimes doesn't, you know, he keeps things pretty even keel, I, I feel like. So I, I definitely, that that one definitely caught my attention with Vakari Swain. Yeah, we got a couple of quick questions uh, asking if Sandlin will try, get a try at running back or receiver. Sandlin is playing at running back right now. Um, somebody said, do you think we play different quarterbacks? I mean, Different QB ones, I would say no. Um, you know, is there a scenario where Lenoris is in there in some situational stuff? You know, yeah, potentially. But this is, you know, this is Spencer Rattler's team. Michael asks, what kind of hands um, do uh, I think he's talking about uh, Anderson and Braswell? I I feel like that uh, Hardesty did brag on both of those guys hands i think so i i think i think they're fine i don't think i'm misspeaking there i think they're fine in, in that area um still curtain said i don't see kilgore playing nickel unless they're using him to blitz or in a big nickel formation i don't dude i i don't think the plan right now is to play kilgore at nickel but i do kind of think with that comment you're downplaying his coverage like his hips, his athleticism, like this kid pretty much could do whatever, I feel like. I don't think you'd play him at corner. He is kind of big for that. But, I mean, he was all over the field in high school, much, much like Vakari. Um, they had similar – their tapes are actually similar. It's just Vakari's a little bit more of that cornerback frame, whereas Kilgore is a little bit more of that safety nickel frame, I feel like. You, you think that's fair, Chris? Yeah, I think it's fair. I was actually just thinking about that earlier because I was thinking about how, you know, J.C. Horn, who became a first-rounder at Carolina as a corner, 
he actually started his career in 2018 as a nickel. He started, I think, 10 of 11 games in 2018 um, and had an immediate impact. It seems like, Wes, without getting into all the minutia of it, seems like in Muschamp's defense you had guys playing nickel who were sometimes a little bit more of a corner um, you know, disposition, although not always, right, because you think of like uh, what Keyshawn Nixon, I think uh, – Jamie Robinson played a ton of nickel. Jamie Robinson played a lot of nickel. But but J.C. Horn was a guy who was more of a corner playing nickel, right? It seems like with Torian Gray, with Clayton White, the guys that we've seen play nickel aren't really as much of a corner. You know, David Spalding, who's a safety or nickel. D.Q. Smith, who's a safety or nickel. I don't know if that's kind of coincidental because, as you pointed out, Muschamp had some guys that, you know, he had some corner-type guys. He had some safety-type guys that all played nickels. So um, it just seems like whether it's coincidental or not, more of your safety body types have played that nickel spot as opposed to corners, um, just as a side note. So, yeah, Kip Kilgore seems like – I mean, he can move. I mean, remember Jalen Kilgore was a three-way player in high school too. I mean, he played offense. He played special teams. When you look at him, he looks like a, a big safety but he has some some athleticism that I think could possibly sneak up on some people, Wes. Um, just maybe based on people just looking at his at his as his physical profile and not expecting it. Yeah, and um, you know I do I do think this staff to an extent also makes that decision on nickel based on some matchups too. I mean, you look at um, last year, Cam Smith one of the top corners in the entire country. He starts out the year playing nickel for South Carolina. Then they have some guys banged up. DQ gets inserted at nickel. Then uh, DQ sort of runs the table for most of the year at nickel. And then you get to the Tennessee game and they say, look, Jalen Hyatt, he plays slot. We need somebody to match up with him. Slide cam back to the nickel spot. So I, I do think, some some of that is is kind of almost opponent dependent too on, on what you want to in reality you I think best case scenario perfect world you'd love to have kind of a corner nickel and then you'd love to have a bigger nickel based on on who you're playing I, I also wonder we, we've heard a lot about we've heard I don't want to say a lot we've heard some on Bam Martin Scott and his uh, progress since last year. He obviously doesn't play nickel, but do we see more of the Sam backer on the field this year like we saw in the bowl game against Notre Dame because they were a run-first offense? We know all the talk this year about trying to stop the run. So do, do you think we see more kind of more traditional seven-man fronts this year, as opposed to you know this four two five. Now, obviously, that's we're getting deep into the speculation at this point, and I think it's very opponent game plan, yeah, dependent. But I do think, you know, you're talking about linebackers and the the linebacker group as a whole being deeper this year. Maybe that allows you to have a little bit more flexibility as far as what you're comfortable running out there from a personnel standpoint. Yeah, I mean, we know they, they have the Sam linebacker in the package, Wes. So um, that that's another question that I think we have that will not get answered, probably until the season. You know, we may see a little, we may hear some in preseason, but I think that question is going to be answered when they're actually lined, you know, when they're lined up against Georgia or lined up against this team or that team or in this particular situation. Will we see some more Sam? Will we see some more five-man fronts? Will we see three-man fronts? Very possible, right? There have been some indications of some of that, but I think we'll have to see. And, um, you know, we know they have more flexibility at linebacker this year. It's a, it's a good-looking group. They have some different uh, types of athletes, some different types of skill sets within there. And, um, you know, I, I think in general, they just have a deeper and more talented group. Now, there's an experience trade-off for some of those guys, and there's still that prove-it aspect of it. 
But they do have some guys that athletically are intriguing, and, and maybe you can do some more different things with than you've done in the past. One more question here, Chris. Uh, Steven on Facebook said, is Joyner going to be actually utilized on offense this year or just returning kicks? I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think right now he is your starting running back. So he's going to be utilized a lot, I, I think it's safe to say. And last year he dealt with some injuries. Last year he was one of the backup wide receivers. Like I thought, you know, we talked about it last year at the end of the year he really came on at the end of the year when he got healthy and did become a bigger part of the offense and special teams. But um, I don't know if you can necessarily have an issue with how he was used last year either. Like I, I think um, he may have found his home now, which I think is good. He seems to have bought completely into it. And I, I do think it's kind of funny, man, that, this is a guy who we know played quarterback in high school, entered his college career as a quarterback, has obviously played wide receiver. There were rumors, there were people online saying, hey, maybe he should go play DB. So this is a guy who's been looking for his home on the field for a long time now. Yet, you go back, he wears number five because he was a Reggie Bush fan <laughs> as a kid. Dow Loggins took – two looks at him in ball practice last year and said, man, maybe this guy should be a running back. And Montario Hardesty watched him on offense last year and was dying to get him into his room too. So I think it's really quite interesting how we've kind of worked our way around to this, but there have been signs for, for quite some time that maybe uh, running back is his home. And this will be the first year, maybe since he's been here, if not in probably four years, Wes, where we're not going to have a constant wonder and discussion throughout, ongoing discussion throughout the course of the year is of where should the carry-on joiner be playing? How can they get him on the field? How can they utilize him? We now know. So we don't have to hear that this year. We don't have to hear it. There'll be some – we don't have to discuss it. We We don't have to discuss it or think about it. You know, there'll be some micro things, you know, how should they get, you know, mm. you know, how should they get joining the ball should, inside zone, outside zone. Like we can dive into those things and, and dork out on those, but it is, he's a running back. Like that's it. He's not going to be a receiver and a quarterback and, and this and that, like he's a running back and he's going to be the starter as of now, like you said. So um, that's kind of fun. That's kind of intriguing. If Joyner can stay healthy, which has also be, been a concern, he, he's talked about that a lot lately, just being available for his teammates. Uh, if he stays healthy, he's going to stay at running back all year, and it'll be the first time in a while. So I think yeah, he's going to have a chance. He's not going to have a chance. He's going to have his most productive season as a Gamecock in terms of the amount of touches, the amount of plays he gets. As Monterio Hardesty said on Thursday, the running back, it, he he's a former running back, so he's biased. But the running back, he says, has been kind of devalued, still very important because they're involved with so many things offensively, even if they're not carrying the football. Um, important position to carry on joiners, important for this team. So he's finally going to have that chance to, to see the most action, the most touches, and have the most impact. No doubt, man. And, and you got to just be happy for him to, to have that opportunity has obviously worked very hard to get there. And um, I'm looking forward to watching him run. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. Um, Steven says that's a relief. By the way, if you want to read about stuff like that, and Steven, you would have already known that if you were hanging out with us on GamecockCentral.com. Uh, we got a deal right now, one month for $1. Um, I'm throwing that in the chat right now. That's for new subscribers. But, Chris, it is time for us to log off. Um because I was typing, and I typed, um, get one month for one year. So that's how my that's how well my brain is working right now. Um, it's not. And so before I say anything else stupid, I think uh, we're at a, about an hour anyway. So let's leave the people. Let's um, th they've got plenty to chew on right now. So listen to this, Landon Duckworth announcement tonight. 2026 quarterback, no real 
surprises there. I think let's just say like this, Gamecock fans should pay attention to that. Um Jonathan Paler tonight. I don't really think you need to pay attention to that one, to be honest. Um Jalewis Solomon at some point on Saturday, probably late afternoon, early evening, from what we hear. You need to pay attention to that one. And then Sunday, or excuse me, Monday, Chris, I think we actually do have another open practice. So we're going to have more to chew on as far as practice observations starting the beginning of uh, next week as well. Michael yep. says, Baylor shocks the world, goes Gamecocks. Appreciate the optimism, Michael. I just don't – me personally, I don't see signs of that happening. Do you ever really know in recruiting? What What's the, what's the most – surprised you've ever been that a kid picked South Carolina. Not not that they went elsewhere, that they picked South Carolina. Hmm. The, fir the first one that came to my mind, and I'm not saying this is the answer. I'll have to rack my brain. The first one that came to my mind is, you remember that kid DJ Daniel? Yeah. That was, that was probably the one. Georgia military ended up going to play at Georgia. All signs were Georgia. All of them. And I mean, it, it literally it surprised people in the building when he committed to South Carolina. Yeah, so that's the one that would that would. Michael says Gilmore. No, everybody knew Gilmore was going to South Carolina. Um, day of by, by the time it by, by the, the time happened, yeah. yeah, by the day of. Um, Tracy says Travian. Clown? No, it was not Clowny. No, everybody knew Clowny. Travian was really back and forth, but he, you know, because, but he would go on record. He'd be like, yeah, I'm probably going to Clemson. And then he would give an interview and be like, I'm, I'm probably going to South Carolina. So, but I do remember by the time that one happened, it was not a surprise. Um, gosh, there were some other ones back Late, then. great Brad Long doing his thing there, huh? Jonathan Hanna was a big one. Remember back Jonathan? Back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, the tie like he he was I think he was literally committed to maybe Virginia Tech and just showed up on on signing day and picked the Gamecocks. That was a shocker. There I'm sure there are others, but DJ Daniel was the most recent one, I think that, for me. That would be the most recent one and the one that really Paler would would mimic that one if if yes. it were to happen because that was literally we we got our commitment interview from our Georgia site because they were there <laughs> yeah, to record him committing to Georgia. And we're like, uh, Hey guys, uh, I guess you need this, not us. Yeah. So uh, that, that would be the case today. If for whatever reason he were to pull the surprise. So we'll see. I mean, I'll watch, but not anticipating it being South Carolina and you, yeah. your, your RPM is, is on NC state now too. Yes, it is. Yeah. I think that's where it's going, but could be, should be good news other places for the Gamecocks. And, um, and some other good news, uh, the Braves just took a 2 nothing lead on the Cubs. So I'm going to go get a little more work done, watch a little bit of afternoon baseball. And Chris, we shall report back, what do you say, Monday afternoon GC Live with plenty more to, to get to, I think. Sounds like a plan, man. We'll see the people on Monday. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Yep. For Chris, I'm Wes. Like he said, you'll have a great weekend. We'll see you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. 
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.